Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, I want to mention this wonderful resource called the U version of the Bible. If you've not yet discovered it, absolutely free. It has all kinds of great resources on it, as well as uh, if you look under events, search for Arlington FM, you'll find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Likewise, when you're in your favorite podcast player, if you'd search for Arlington FM Church, there you will find all of our teaching content. Well, we are continuing in a series this weekend, and it's called uh, Love's Reach. And uh, it's really all about uh, how our world changes when we decide to care like Jesus does. And uh, this entire series is based on a glimpse into the heart of God that the prophet Ezekiel had. He records it in Ezekiel chapter 34, says it like this, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep. I will look after them. I will rescue them from all the places that they were scattered. I will search for the lost and I will bring back the strays. You know, that's a pretty clear revelation of what matters to God, what his priorities are. And uh, if it couldn't be any clearer, uh, when Jesus came to reveal the invisible God to us, he absolutely lived out that heart of God to search uh, for his lost people. In fact, uh, he's called the Good Shepherd for good reason. And uh, in particular, uh, we've been looking at Luke's writings, the Gospel of Luke, the Book of Acts, they record uh, this outward-looking trajectory of the heart of God expressed through the person of Jesus Christ. And so right from the get-go, uh, when Jesus begins his ministry, according to Luke, uh, people try to keep him to themselves, keep him in their town. And he said, I must go to the other towns and villages, for that is why I came. And uh, Luke records uh, stories that Jesus told uh, explaining why it is that he spent all of his time uh, with some pretty needy people. And he, he told the story of, of the lost coin, the story of a lost sheep, and the story of a lost son in Luke chapter 15 to express uh, the heart of God uh, so wonderfully displayed and demonstrated through the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, the message that Christ came to, to entrust to his followers is that he calls us to carry that same heart of God, to reach and to rescue people, uh, to bring them back uh, to their creator. He entrusts that mission to his disciples, to his followers. You know, we've uh, made uh, this uh, uh, observation that when we choose to align with the reaching heart of God expressed through Christ, and we make that our priority as well, our world gets bigger and better. We've looked at Proverbs chapter 11, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You know, that's true of our faith. Uh, when we freely give as God has freely given to us through Christ, uh, our world gets bigger. In fact, uh, you could say it most succinctly, succinctly like this. When reaching people it becomes the focus of our devotion to Christ, our world becomes bigger and better. Uh, you know, we've underscored uh, some of the reasons we opt out of that bigger and better way of following Jesus. Uh, they include uh, just hoarding, the desire to keep 
spiritual riches to ourselves, uh, judging others, somehow uh, feeling and believing that uh, people with faith matter more to God than people who are lacking faith. Uh, fear and shame, uh, just our own sense of brokenness and neediness uh, determines what we have to give to others. And then uh, other times it's just as simple as having our priorities mixed up. And again, Luke records the story of a rich man who accumulated things for himself, but when his soul was required of him, he found out he could have been rich toward God. And uh, the, the emphasis is on uh, we become rich toward God when we share his priorities, care for others the way that he does. And, uh, you know, thank God he retools people with mixed up value systems and wrong priorities. And uh, so Peter it becomes the model disciple, someone who uh, Jesus chose to work with, bring him to a place where he could express the caring, reaching heart of God for people. And I love uh, Luke chapter 5, this series of events that shows us what it looks like to align with the heart of God. Uh, we're told when Jesus called Peter, did this uh, miraculous catch of fish, blew Peter's mind, and uh, then he said, uh, to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. And you know, the message that came to Peter is when reaching people becomes the priority of your life, you experience the miracle, generosity uh, of God, uh, not only coming into our lives, but flowing through us to others. And then in rapid fire, rapid fire succession, Luke lists what that looks like when we align with the generous heart of God to reach people. Uh, he tells the story of uh, Jesus healing a man covered with leprosy. This quote, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So according to Jesus, when we care for people the way God does, uh, we're willing to touch the unclean. No one is seen as being unreachable. Uh, the next story Luke tells is of a group of friends who bring their paralytic friend uh, to be uh, touched by Christ, uh, but he's inaccessible. They can't get through the crowd. Rather than giving up, they go up on the roof, lower their friend uh, into the presence of Christ. And uh, again, uh, the response of Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And according to Jesus, uh, here's what it looks like to care for others when we're willing to take risks and go beyond maybe the usual expectations in order to bring others into proximity with Jesus. Wonderful things happen. Uh, they experience the friendship of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, and even the healing of of Christ. And then the next event, which we looked at last week, is Jesus calls Levi, a tax collector, to follow him. Levi throws a great party. Christ shows up. He's criticized for hanging out with sinners. And uh, Jesus' response is he answered them, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but it's the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. And so again, according to Jesus, when we align with God and the caring heart, his reach for people, we're willing to, uh, to befriend, to spend time with uh, folks who uh, may appear uh, on the surface to be far away from God. Well, uh, today, 
we're going to come kind of to the pinnacle of uh, Luke's account of the outreaching life of Jesus, uh, displaying perfectly the heart of God for people. And uh, this is nearing the end, more accurately, the culmination of Jesus's public ministry to the world. He set his sights on Jerusalem. He knows he's, he's going to go there and he's going to uh, pour out his life. He's going to give his life uh, to uh, retrieve and redeem people back to God. And uh, in this episode, and we find it in Luke chapter 19, I want to go right to the, the ending, how Jesus punctuates not only this particular encounter with a man who was far from God, but his entire ministry. Here's what he says, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The Son of Man came for this reason, to seek and to save the lost. Uh, you know, they say a, a mission statement, if it's any good, you can say it in one sentence. You should be able to just put it right out there. This is what we're about. Uh, some people call it your elevator speech. You know, you're, uh, you're in between floors. You've got just enough time to feel awkward <laughs> with uh, people you don't know in the elevator. And someone asks you, what are you about? Well, if that person was Jesus, in a moment, here's what he'd say. This is what I'm about. I came to reach, to seek, and to save lost people. Couldn't be any clearer than that. Uh, well, we're going to go back to what led to that statement, that mission statement uh, of Jesus. Uh, we're told uh, in Luke 19.1 that Jesus entered Jericho. And again, he's passing through. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. We're told that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. You might say this guy was double despicable. He was not only a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. And on top of that, he'd made himself quite wealthy through the extraction, not only his own efforts, but those underlings who reported to him. You know, Zacchaeus would have been considered the slimiest of the slimy and uh, you know that's what you could easily see if you looked only at uh, Zacchaeus's outward appearance his behavior his lifestyle his actions his priorities but fortunately uh, God has the ability to look beyond all those things in fact we're told uh, God looks upon the heart he doesn't see he doesn't stop at the outward facade and what we're going to see is that there was a lot more going on with Zacchaeus than the fact that he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Uh, we're told uh, he wanted to see who Jesus was. Uh, there was a, a curiosity, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And uh, so the short man ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree in order to see Jesus since Jesus was coming that way you know uh curiosity is an amazing thing and if it's real if it's sincere if it's genuine it can be the open door uh, into a world of discovery well uh it it seems that Zacchaeus uh, had that kind of curiosity he wanted to see who Jesus was you know sometimes it only takes a, a sliver a crack in the door uh, they say you give give someone an inch they'll take a mile well Jesus was like that and he noticed something about Zacchaeus uh, that caused him to pause 
and stop. And uh, uh, the thing about uh, this uh, tax collector, this wealthy uh, chief among sinners, is uh, he was also short. Uh, you might say it like this. He had some obstacles that kept him from seeing Jesus. And uh, here's the truth, uh, kind of an aside, but the truth of the matter is we all have obstacles that keep us or obscure us from seeing Jesus clearly. Every one of us have things in our lives that may be our upbringing, maybe our history, our disappointments, our flaws, our failures, uh, whatever it is about us, we all have things in our lives that make it hard to see Jesus as he really is. And uh, here's the question, not do we have obstacles, but what do we do with them? How do we respond to them? Well, Zacchaeus, uh, he ran ahead of the crowd, found a tree, climbed that tree, and uh, it's a great illustration that it's not what you do with your, it's not the fact that you have obstacles, it's what you do with them. And uh, these are the things that according to Christ, God notices when he looks upon the heart of people. He looks at uh, that effort that is there, that interest in uh, really discovering who he is. And Jesus noticed this guy. You ever been in a large crowd, large room, and you notice one person? I mean, why in the world would your eyes happen to light on that person? Well, Jesus apparently, uh, and he's in this huge crowd. He notices this little man who had run ahead of the crowd, climbed a tree, and we're told when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so Zacchaeus came down at once and he welcomed him. Uh, you know, uh, it's easy to avoid interacting with someone when we don't want to talk to them. You ever seen someone in a store and uh, maybe you didn't uh, comb your hair before you went out and ran to the market and then you spot someone and inside you're thinking, I really don't want to interact with that person right now. And Zacchaeus could have been that way with Jesus. He just wanted to see who he was. All of a sudden, the Son of God is looking him in the eye and saying, come down from that tree. Uh, today, I must stay at your house. And, uh, you know, uh, here's the truth about Jesus. Uh, he doesn't want a casual greeting only with anyone. Uh, he wants to build a relationship in fact, uh, the book of Revelation uh, says this about the risen Christ. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear that knock and open the door, I'll come in. We'll, we'll have supper together. We'll share a meal. We'll dialogue. We'll build our relationship and see where that takes us. And, uh, you know, we can do this. We can, uh, we can either bar the door we can roll out the welcome mat. Well, apparently Zacchaeus, uh, his heart response to the call, the summons of Christ was to roll out the welcome mat. And, uh, you know, uh, this is an amazing uh, uh, transformation moment uh, in the life of this chief tax collector, the slimiest of sinners. And uh, you would imagine that those around uh, were thrilled at the possibility that, wow, this guy's life uh, could change dramatically. He's in the presence of the rabbi, the great teacher, the master. You would think that there'd be excitement in the crowd, but there wasn't. 
In fact, uh, what the crowd was noticing is that Jesus is again spending time with someone who's outside acceptable boundaries, uh, behavior, uh, values, priorities. And we're told that uh, when Jesus went to be the guest of this sinner, all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You know, mutter is not a flattering word. It's uh, something people may be ashamed to admit outwardly, but uh, when they're kind of whispering with their like-minded people, they say some pretty judgmental, uh, critical things about others. And in this case, they're saying, you know, how in the world could Jesus possibly be representing God when he's willing to hang out and be, uh, be kind and loving uh, towards these people who are reprehensible to God? They were muttering. They didn't quite get it. Uh, how God could be expressing his love for people through this person uh, of Jesus. Uh, you know, uh, Zacchaeus was obviously aware of the muttering. You know, uh, I think we're all pretty good at assessing uh, the, uh, the judgments of others. Uh, we know when we're being uh, critiqued. Uh, we know when uh, someone may say kind things to our face, but behind the scenes, you know, they're anything but kind. And uh, Zacchaeus uh, could have been pulled away from his focus on Christ by the muttering that was happening all around him. But uh, here's what we're told. But Zacchaeus, in the midst of the muttering, stood up and he said to the Lord Jesus, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You know, you talk about putting our faith uh, on the line, putting our money where our faith is. Uh, there were, there's no doubt that some of the people in this crowd were getting their calculators out and thinking, man, that crook ripped me off for this much. You mean he's going to pay me back four times the amount? You know, there was actually a, a Roman rule uh, that if you stole or cheated to anyone out of anything uh, that... Uh, when the truth came out, uh, you were required to pay them back four times the amount. So Zacchaeus was saying, I'm going to do everything that, that is right and fitting uh, because of my response to Jesus Christ. You know, uh, what Zacchaeus' response brings out here is the importance of making amends, uh, the importance of uh, settling accounts. You know, when I first became a follower of Christ, uh, Within a few months, God began to remind me of some people I had offended, some people I had taken from and hurt in a variety of different ways. And it was almost like God chose the top five, said, you're going to deal with this, you're going to deal with that. And each one of those that I followed through on was actually what I called was a, a godly ouch. You know, it hurt. It was humbling but it was liberating, and it was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, I think the, uh, the 12 steps uh, uh, process gets this idea right of, of making amends, of reparations, of settling accounts as a demonstration that our values and priorities really have shifted. In fact, uh, the eighth step in the 12 steps read, reads like this. 
we made a list of all the persons we had harmed, and we became willing to make amends to them all, to them all. And uh, this is exactly what Zacchaeus is expressing in his response to Christ. And interestingly, uh, Jesus seems to place great value uh, on that kind of uh, hard adjustment and priority transformation impact. He says, not only to Zacchaeus, but to the crowd assembled, uh, Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Doesn't matter what his values were, his priorities were, his lifestyle was, his choices were. This man, too, is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save people who have lost their way. You know, uh, salvation is an amazing reality in the Bible. It's a, a person coming from uh, no faith in God uh, to an intimate relationship with God. It's a person moving from in debt uh, to uh, their sin to being liberated from their sin. It's a, a person going from being a child of wrath to being a child of promise. In fact, the Apostle Paul would write that when we experience salvation, we are transferred out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have forgiveness. And, uh, you know, uh, salvation in the Bible is becoming a new creation. As Jesus said, it's becoming born again, uh, living eternally, and now uh, rejoined in our relationship with the Creator. All of these things happened in a moment for Zacchaeus as he responded with this heartfelt uh, adjustment in priorities. You know, a couple of truths uh, before we go to prayer that emerge uh, out of this uh, episode that Luke records is, uh, uh, here's first one. Uh, no one ever plans on ending up lost. You know, no one decides, uh, my marriage is going to end in divorce. Uh, this career is going to dead end. Uh, I'm going to end up isolated and angry and addicted. And yet all of these things happen. Why is that? Well, we lose our way. We make statements like, how did I end up here? You know, I guess I just uh, chose the wrong path. I was on a, in a golf tournament once, and uh, we found uh, midway through the, the tournament that the, the cart load of guys in front of us uh, were, wherever there was a directional sign game saying go this way, they would get out and change the sign, make it point a different way. And uh, we ended up lost on numerous occasions, and we had a good laugh over it. Uh, but here's the truth. Uh, we can make a lot of little decisions along the way, sometimes receiving some bad advice, and we end up lost in a place we never imagined we would end up. And uh, if you're there in a place like that today, you need to know something. Someone is looking for you. His name is Jesus. In fact, he said, uh, this is the reason that I came, is to find people who have drifted far from God and to uh, bring them back. Uh, to their creator. Uh, but, you know, here's the second uh, truth that emerges from this story is uh, Jesus uh, wants to uh, deploy his people to reach his lost sheep. It's really the point of this entire series is that the reaching heart of God 
so wonderfully fulfilled in the person of Jesus is now entrusted to his followers. And he wants to deploy his people to go out and look by the highways and the byways and find his lost sheep, regardless of what their outward condition might look like. Uh, you know, I had a friend who, uh, he wrote a book uh, trying to explain how in the world uh, his church, in, in a time when the average size of a church was about 100 people, uh, how in the world his church grew to several thousand. And, and the book he wrote explaining what had transpired was simply called Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. It was the heart of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, God's heart for reaching people. But in that book, he talks about some of the ways that we tend to devalue others. And uh, it's kind of comes down to our view of people. And uh, here's what he listed as some of the things, uh, the ways we see people that depersonalize and devalue them. Uh, number one, we tend to view people as functions. You know, what purpose do they serve in my life? Uh, how do I use people in order to achieve my own ends and my happiness? And when we view people only as the function they fulfill to us, we devalue them and depersonalize them. Secondly, we see people as interruptions. I think we can all relate to this as uh, I don't have time for this. Uh, annoying person or this needy person or this person who obviously has lost their way. And then finally, this third way is we view people as symbols. And I actually think this has become epidemic in our country over the last few years is uh, we no longer see people as individuals. We see them as categories representing groups of people that are at odds with our own values in priorities. And uh, here's a kind of a, a sad truth. Uh, often, it's our religion that compels us to see people as functions, interruptions, or symbols representing uh, categories. And it's interesting uh, that uh, in his outward uh, reaching account of the life of Jesus, Luke is the only gospel writer who records this incredible story the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, that would be like uh, writing articles on the highest peaks on the planet and forgetting to put in Mount Everest. And yet Luke alone uh, records Jesus teaching this wonderful story, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. And interestingly enough, uh, in this story, uh, Jesus highlights that it's the religious leaders, the priest and the Levite, who see a man in a sorrowful condition. He's been beaten and robbed and left to die by the side of the road. And they uh, walk by on the other side. They find ways to, to minimize, to avoid, to devalue the desperate needs of this person. And it's a Samaritan, an outsider, a reprobate in the eyes of the good religious folks who stops, who gives himself to help this person in need. And uh, I... I hear God, I feel God calling us to his heart. I hear Jesus reminding us that to be his disciple is to follow in his example. And here's what Luke heard from the life and teaching of Christ is that the way we see others behind every view of others as a function, as an interruption or a category 
is a person made in the image of God whose story matters to God. And uh, Jesus would say, these are the people I came for. I came to seek and to save. And uh, he's inviting us uh, to be those people who will search the highways and the byways. And uh, regardless of the, uh, the lifestyle, the priorities, the stated beliefs, it will be like God seeing the heart of the person behind the facade in the exterior. You know, I heard a term this week that I immediately said, I like that, I value that. And the term was this, an outward-facing church. I love the idea behind that, that what God is initiating, what Christ modeled, and what he entrusted and calls us to is to be an outward-facing people, individuals uh, who don't depersonalize and devalue others, and uh, we would be an outward-facing movement of people that display the heart of Christ. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you this morning for the truth of your word. Thank you how you pierce through our darkness, our confusion, our, our mixed uh, priorities. You remind us of what your heart is, for people that you yourself revealed yourself as a creator who looks for his lost sheep, who searches for them, finds them, rescues them, and cares for them. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you uh, that uh, you gave everything, uh, poured out your life uh, to bring us back, and thank you uh, for the, the opportunity uh, to live as you did in the world. Uh, maybe as you're hearing this message, you're thinking, you know, I've lost my way. Uh, I'm like that person you described. I didn't plan on ending up where I'm at, but this is where I'm at. And you've been reminded today that Jesus is looking for you. And I would encourage you, uh, let your response be similar uh, to Zacchaeus. Uh, whatever your obstacles, whatever might hinder you uh, from seeing him as he is, you can, you can press through those. You can rise above them. Uh, maybe for you it would mean uh, going on a good long walk uh, sometime this week and just thinking about your response uh, to the revelation of God through Jesus Christ, your receptivity uh, to his invitation uh, to live as a child of God and to follow him in his work. And uh, Lord, thank you for the reminder that we're people with a purpose. We have a mission, and we can state that mission very clearly and whether we're on an elevator or at work with someone, we can know in our hearts the reason we, we, we follow Christ and uh, our purpose for living is to seek and to save the lost as he is doing, to be his hands and his heart, uh, to be his spokespeople, uh, to those who need to know there is a God who cares about them and has a purpose for their lives. Lord, thank you for your calling. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.